peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I've said all this so that you'll have peace. And yet, at the same time, there's this promise of peace, and there's also a promise of trouble. How in the world can we have peace in the middle of trouble? And so you may, you may not know the story. It really did happen. October 30th, 1938, aliens invaded America. It was, uh, it was, it was terrible. Uh, the first wave of aliens landed in a small town in New Jersey, not very far from Manhattan. Uh, the guy named, there's a guy named uh, Richard Pearson, and he was a Princeton professor, and he watched it happen. And so he thought at first it was just a meteor shower from Mars, and, uh, but it wasn't. When he got over to the rocks uh, that landed in the field, he thought were rocks. What he saw was instead this, this metal cylinder. And so reporters and, and, and onlookers and first responders, they all start checking out the crash site. You know, when the cylinder began to open, and then alien violence in America was unleashed. Have you guys heard about this? Yeah, it happened. So uh, CBS reporter Carl Phillips' live report says this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever witnessed. I can see peering out of that black hole two luminous discs. This is on the radio. It says, are they eyes? It may be a face. Oh, but that face, ladies and gentlemen... It's indescribable. I can hardly force myself to look at it. The eyes are black and they gleam like a serpent. V-shaped with rimless lips. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from the alien and it leaps on all the advancing men. Head on. Good Lord, all the men are turning into flames. Now the whole field's caught on fire. The woods, the the gas tanks of automobiles it's spreading everywhere it's coming this way and at this point the voice cuts out you're gonna do this let's do this nobody's watching at this point the voice cuts out five seconds later it comes back and it confirms the Americans worst fear aliens had landed on the eastern seaboard then came more alien landings all over. They were all city all over, all over cities all over. There was pandemonium on the streets. People were running everywhere. People took refuge in churches. Pregnant women went into labor early. Some, some people even took their own lives. Looting broke out. Men got their guns ready to make their final stand. Right? America. One woman ran into a church prayer meeting in Indianapolis and screamed, New York has been destroyed. The end of the world has come. All of you might as well go home and die. Now, as amazing as that story is, it's actually a lie. So you guys, you were, I'm going to settle your fears. It's not true. There was no alien invasion, the, uh, but everything else that I just read really did happen. The aliens didn't land, but all of the response did happen. So in 1938, there's this 23 um, radio host who had just launched a new program on CBS, and he was, he was put up against the, the prime program uh, of the week, and he was struggling to really get anybody to, to listen. And so the most popular show of the day was getting all the, all the listeners. So he did something drastic. So he buys the rights to the... Uh, War of the Worlds novel, and he turns it into an hour-long show, and he updated the details to make it work for 
uh, for New York. And so when people finish listening to all the uh, to, to the more popular show around 8.15, they, they turn the, di- the dial, and then they catch all the, all the mayhem. And so the next day, the New York Times uh, runs a front-page story, Wave of Mass Hysteria. And so Wells, the guy that did the whole program, thought his career was over, but oh no, there's no thing as bad PR. And so he gets a deal from Hollywood, and... Uh, a Hollywood contract he's set for life. A few years later, he writes uh, a movie, directs a movie called Citizen Kane. Never seen it. Apparently, it's the greatest movie that's ever existed. I wouldn't know. I've not seen the movie. Anybody ever seen that movie? I, I don't know. Good. So why tell that story? Why tell that story? It's the perfect metaphor for this series that we're going on to, Enemies And so we are at war, and now we're not at war with aliens from Mars, thank God, Uh, but we are at war with an enemy that's far more dangerous. The enemy is lies. Lies. Everybody say lies. It's not a hoax. The enemy is actually very real. And on the surface, everything seems fine for us, our lives. For many of us, it seems fine. We live in, uh, if you're here in Huntsville, we live in one of the fastest growing, largest cities in Alabama. We just won that title. We ripped it right out of the grip of Birmingham. We brought that trophy here, all right? We, uh, We seemingly have more and more opportunity here Every single, every single week, I get people sending me articles all the time about this next thing that's coming and this next thing that's coming. It's excited. It's a, it's a new year, all right? Happy New Year. Um, it's my first time to speak this year. Last week, we had a special speaker. And uh, so it's a new year. Everything that happened, all of our issues and everything that we've had last year, we don't really have to worry about anymore, right? So uh, no more irrational you know, work demands and no more credit card debt. You know, we don't have to worry about it's a new year. You know, no more weird, angry family tension. All that's over because it's a, it's, it's a new year. No more questioning my calling, questioning my purpose. No more COVID, right? Did y'all hear about that? It's a new year. New year, new year, new year, new you, right? I, I, I wish that was true. I wish that was true. But it's not. And um, much of the uh, external circumstances of last year travel straight into this year. And it's, and, it's, and it's very little about this year, honestly, by itself, outside of Christ that looks real promising. There's, there's, not, a, there's not a ton that's out there. Much of it's still the same. We are as divided as ever as a society, as a country. We are in more debt than ever. We are growing more and more secular than ever. We are more depressed than ever. We're more anxiety-ridden than ever. And so why does it feel so tiring day after day, not necessarily maybe in your body, but in your mind? 
Why does it feel every day so often like it's a battle just to continue, just to continue following Jesus faithfully? So this is what I would say this morning. Maybe it feels like that because it is. Maybe it is a battle. Maybe, it, maybe there is a fight. Maybe there is. And so in preparation for this year, over the next three weeks, what I want to do is unmask the enemies of your soul. Unmask the enemies of peace. The only difference really between these and the invasion, the alien invasion story, is that they're real and they really will steal our peace year after year after year. So Jesus is talking to his disciples and in, in, in the, the, the atmosphere is at peak instability. It's, it's the, the, they, they can no longer do ministry in town. They have to stay kind of on the outskirts uh, because Jesus has become so popular that they can't go in because the crowd will swell and grow huge. And a lot of the authorities are trying to arrest Jesus. And so they're kind of doing uh, ministry on the fringe, which as best I can tell is really, it seems like where Jesus likes it, to where the people that want to know travel out to um, come see him. And um, you, can feel, you can feel the tension. You can feel the tension. And so they've just had the Passover supper. Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. He, he knows this is the end. Jesus knows this is the end. And, uh, and then he says, I'm leaving. And the disciples don't know this. They have completely different expectations. Um, they, there's so much that we look back on. Hindsight's 2020. There's so much that we can look back on and we go, man, the disciples were dumb. I mean, they didn't know anything. But they, they weren't. They weren't. It seems like all the time Jesus is saying something and then they, they, have, an, they have a different plan. They've got an ulterior plan for where Jesus is going. And so then Jesus drops this line on them. He says, I'm leaving. And, uh, and he says, well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something. And so what did he give him? What did he leave him? And so he's about to leave. And he knows he's going to be gone. And we look back and we know that he's going to be gone. He's going to go to the cross. And then he's going to die. And he's going to rise from the grave. But then he's only going to be here a few weeks after that about 40 days, and then he's going to go back to be with the Father. And so when he's leaving, he really is leaving. It's, 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 it's a, it's a bang-bang play right here. It's happening. And so he's about to leave. If you were going to leave and be gone from those closest to you forever, what would you leave them? What would you have to leave them? What would you want to leave them? And so Jesus is leaving, and he knows it's peak instability. And so what does he leave him? Does he leave them with, uh, like, extra swords to protect themselves did he leave them a bunch of money? Did he leave them a, a, a stash of gold coins? Does he leave them a map, you know, about where to go? You can find me over here. Here's what he did. He leaves them with none of this. He leaves them with the truth. He leaves them with the truth. He says, I'm the truth. And he leaves them with the truth. And in that truth is a promise of peace. John 14 says, peace I leave with you. Peace my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. This was his message. I'm going to leave you with peace. 
So it's important we understand the kind of peace that Jesus is leaving, though. Um, peace means different things to different people. Um, and it even means sometimes something different in the, uh, even means something different in the Bible. Uh, for most of us, peace, when we think about peace, we just think about the absence of conflict. So some of you, your goal over the holidays, you were going to be with family. Your goal was just no fighting. Just, it doesn't, we don't even have to leave telling each other we love each other. We just don't, no yelling. We just want the absence of conflict. All right, sometimes, so, and we think oh, that, then that would be at peace. And so um, for different ones of us, different peace means, peace can mean different things. Uh, but the Bible refers to something better in its place. Peace, scripture, uh, the word we, we see uh, in the um, Old Testament is shalom. Shalom, you heard that word before, shalom. Just means um, uh, wholeness or, or complete. It can refer to a, uh, a stone uh, wall that has no cracks or no holes, uh, but, the, but the stone wall is, is all the pieces are still together and all of them are, are, are intact. It refers to something that's complex um, with lots of pieces, but none of the pieces are missing. That's, that's peace. Total peace. It's complete. It's whole. I was uh, in uh, Gatlinburg this past week. We went into a puzzle store. I didn't realize how many people like to make puzzles when they're in the mountains. It's the puzzle place because there are puzzle stores everywhere. There's a puzzle, one puzzle. It had like a million pieces. It was the size of that wall over there. It was, it was enormous. And so many pieces. Last year, me and Lindsay and the kids, we were going to... Um, uh, we we, we kind of got some Christmas traditions, all right? Set up a Christmas tree, put lights out. We were going to do puzzle. Now, that was, <clears throat> it was a one-year tradition last year. You don't remember that happening again. So we had a one-year tradition. It was awesome. And so we got this puzzle out. So we had a new puzzle, and we also had a new dog. He's not so new anymore. He does not bring me peace. We put this puzzle together. It's Christmas. It smells good in the house. We got candles and Christmas tree, and these are just—it's just happy. And we're gonna finally put the rest of the puzzle piece together, the puzzle together. And we look down, and we're out of pieces. And so we look—we we look around. We try to find them. We look under the table. We look like with the kids, see if they're hiding pieces in their grimy little hands, hidden pieces. And then I see him. This, this, this beast in the corner of the room, and he's got puzzles basically dripping out of his face. Puzzle pieces. And so our dog has eaten like three or four pieces. More than that. A thousand pieces he's eaten. It doesn't matter. We're looking at this puzzle, and it's so almost done. Have you ever put a puzzle together and you didn't have the final piece? You know what it's done? You, you know what it is? It's forever unfinished. It is not at peace. It is incomplete. It is not whole. It is, you put up, has anybody ever framed a puzzle together? Like you glued the back of it, you framed it, and you put it on the wall? Anybody, you ever done that? I'm not going to make fun of you. I just, anybody? I see that hand. Would you do that if you were missing a piece? No. No, because you would walk by it every day, or someone in your family would walk by it every single day, and they would shake their hand, and they would go, why did we put that on the wall? It is not whole. It is not at peace. 
In, in Job, the book of Job, he refers to his tent, the tents being in a state of shalom because all of the sheep are there. There's no missing sheep, and so my tents, my fields are at peace, are in, in they uh, bear, have shalom. Uh, Solomon, King Solomon, brought the missing piece to the temple. And so when he brought the final piece to the temple, he builds this incredible temple. No one else before him got to build it. He's the one that got to put it together. He brings the final piece, and now the temple, this this um, church that they've been looking forward to having the Lord reside in for all these uh, years now has what? Shalom. It has peace. Um, uh, if if uh, the, the scripture says, if your animal destroys someone else's field, all right, in scripture in the Old Testament, then you would bring shalom by bringing repayment in full for their loss. Because now you have to, you, so when you, when you pay for the wrong that your dog did, you you, when you bring that payment, you're actually shalom because now it's, it's whole, it's complete. Proverbs, to reconcile is to bring shalom. And so in the, in the alien story, if, if the terrified citizens of New York had the missing piece of truth to the story that they had chimed in early, if they had just chimed in early for the radio show, in 1938 and heard that it was a fictional retelling on the radio, it would have drastically changed their understanding and their response of reality. And so here's what I want to say this morning. Peace and truth are two sides of the same coin. Peace and truth are two sides of the same coin. John chapter 14, Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. Take heart. I've overcome the world. So God's goal for you and for me is to live and to walk in peace or wholeness. And the way we do that is by walking in truth, not lies. The way we walk in wholeness, the way we can face 2022 in peace, no matter the circumstances, is knowing the truth. And so the question is, like Pilate asked, a few hours later to Jesus, what is truth? The better question probably should have been, who is truth? So Jesus says to the disciples, I am the truth. So we can't walk into, walk, walk uh, with peace and walk in peace this year with a compartmentalized faith. One that sections off um, Jesus to only certain areas of our life uh, and, 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 and leaves them outside or leaves them out of the whole. Peace begins, it starts with a surrendered heart. And so you have to feel this tension where the disciples are here. Jesus knows the end is near, he's going to the cross. The disciples don't know this. And he says, I told you these things so that in me 
you may have peace. In this world, you have trouble, take heart, I've overcome the world. Peace in the middle of the tension. Peace in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the year, maybe in the middle of the beginning of the year in January. Maybe you've already found yourself in the middle of a lack of peace, a lack of wholeness, a lack of togetherness. Maybe we've already hit that place lacking peace. You can have peace because you know the truth. And the truth, Jesus says, sets what? Sets us free. Free to what? Free to live in peace. Free to walk in peace. One of the starkest pictures we get of peace and truth in Scripture is with King David. And so King David um, is, is uh, king of Israel. He has uh, one of three kings that have, that, that are, that have ever uh, been king over a united Israel. It was uh, Saul and then David and then his son Solomon. And then after that, split into Israel and Judah. And king David is this unbelievable character all throughout Scripture. We can, he's, he's, he's a very, very complicated man. In one part of Scripture, he's known as the man after God's own heart. And so imagine being in Scripture, like your name is in there, like you're in it, and this is the title that you get, a man after God's own heart. That's amazing. How encouraging. How how phenomenal. He has huge successes. He defeats giants and armies and becomes king. But he has huge failures too. Huge failures. In the season, Scripture says that kings go off to war and they typically do king things. David stays home. And some of you have heard the story before. He's off doing kingly things and instead he stays home and he's one day he's hanging out just roaming the palace what else do you do right when you own a palace you got to roam the palace and he goes up to the roof and he's looking over all that he has and I don't know what he's doing I'm, I'm my guessing is he's just kind of proud he's like, look at look at all my stuff and he sees a woman named Bathsheba and scripture says that he longs for her She's on the roof too. And so Bathsheba's married, but he, he wants Bathsheba. And so he sends for her, and she comes to him, and um, she ends up getting pregnant. David finds out. He ends up killing her husband and uh, takes her as his own wife, the man after God's own heart, right? And so... There's a prophet of God, he shows up, his name's Nathan, and he comes and he tells a story, and he goes to David, and not a lot of people had access to kings, but the prophet did. And so the prophet Nathan wants to talk to David, and he says, hey, I want to talk to you. He says, i got to tell you something that happened. And so he goes to David, and he says, he said, here's the deal. He said, there was a man, um, he said, there was a man, there's, there's two men in town. He said, there's a rich man, and there's a poor man, and, and, and this poor man had a little lamb, um, and it was like a it was like a pet. It was a sweet lamb, like it wasn't just uh, just a normal old lamb or a normal old sheep like the rich man has. He has tons of them. The poor man had one little lamb, and it, it was the family loved it, loved it. They treated it like a pet. And uh, one day a visitor comes into town, and the rich man 
uh, is going to prepare some food for the traveler. He's going to take care of him. But he doesn't go into his field and get his own sheep. Instead, he goes to this poor man and he takes his little lamb. And he takes that lamb and cooks it and feeds the traveler. He says, what are you going to do? And David said, as surely as the Lord lives, that man must die. And he is enraged. He's so angry. How unfair, right? How terrible. How unfair. And he's so mad. And so Nathan looks at him and he goes, actually, David, it's you. You're the man. You're the guy. You're the guy that has everything you could have ever wanted, and yet you went over and you took something that wasn't yours. And so David's confronted with the truth right square in his face. He repents right then and there in front of Nathan, and he begs God's forgiveness. Begs God's forgiveness. And so we really never knew during this time between originally when he had killed Bathsheba's husband and then when Nathan shows up, there's this span of time, probably months and months. And so we really don't see a picture of what's going on in David's mind during this whole fiasco. He's supposed to be a man after God's own heart. He, he just stole a man's wife and then he killed the guy and did he even notice? Did David even care? Did, 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 did Nathan go up and be like, hey, you're the man? And David was like, wow, that was me. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. Like, what, what's, what's going through his head? Does he even care? Does he even realize the kind of tyrant that he's become? So there's this psalm in Scripture, Psalm 32, and it gives us a picture of actually what was going on during this whole time while David, David had not done, was not walking in truth, and instead was living with this weight on him. We can see it in Psalm 32, beginning in verse 1. And he says this, What bliss belongs to the one whose rebellion has been forgiven? Those whose sins are covered by blood, what bliss belongs to those who have confessed their corruption to God? He wipes their slates clean and removes hypocrisy from their hearts. Look at this verse right here. Before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish, and misery. Does it sound like a lack of peace? What was going on in David's life in between when he wasn't walking in truth? Instead, he was weighted down, filled with frustration, anguish, and misery. Verse 4, the pain never let up, for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Then I finally admitted to you all my sins. I came forward with the truth. Refusing to hide them any longer, I said, my life-giving God, I'll openly acknowledge my evil actions. And what did you do? You forgave me. All at once, the guilt of my sin washed away. My pain disappeared. So this is what he says. I hear the Lord saying, I'll stay close to you, instructing you, guiding you along the pathway of your life. I'll advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn. When I take you to where you've not been before, don't make me tug on you and pull you along. Just come with me. You know the way. Thomas says, we don't know the way. 
Jesus says, yes, you do. I'm the way. Just come with me. Just follow me. So my conclusion is this. Many are the sorrows and frustrations of those who don't come clean with God. But when you trust in the Lord for forgiveness, his love will surround you. So celebrate the goodness of God. He shows this kindness to everybody who is his. Go ahead, shout for joy, all you upright ones who want to please him. So here's what I want to say today. Peace begins where truth begins. Peace in your life begins where truth begins. Would you do this with me? Would you close your eyes? What what if instead of losing our souls this year and, and limping into December, just barely hanging on, what if instead of losing our souls, we discovered them? Limping, limping from December into January, what if, we, what if we discovered them? What if instead of coming apart this year, what if we came together? What if instead of losing our families this year, what if we found the family God had in front of us all along? What if instead of living in constant fear of the next thing to fear, we began to fight the, the lies of self-preservation or ignoring the calling in front of us? What if this year we walked in the truth of God's grace instead of the fear of the next variant, the next politician, the next job loss, the next big decision, the next fill in the blank? Instead, what if we received the free gift of peace that Jesus left us? Peace I leave with you, peace I give to you. And the peace that he gives begins with truth found in a surrendered heart. In the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the enemies of our peace. We're going to walk through what that looks like, how to live truth. But this morning, the first step of living in truth is found in total surrender. And so maybe you're in here this morning, you say, Joel, I, if I'm honest with you, I'm wrapped in fear still of this year. Still. I'm, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm wearing a blanket. I feel like I'm wearing a blanket of fear. And I need peace. And if Jesus gives peace, I want peace. And so I surrender this morning. Whatever that looks like. If that's you, you I'm not going to ask you to come up here. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything except would you just make a confession where you are to God just by lifting your hand and then you can put it right back down. You say, Joel, yes, yes, yes. Joel, I'm, I'm wearing a blanket of fear. And if Jesus offers peace, walking in truth, I want truth. Maybe you're in here and you say, I've, Joel, if I'm honest, my life already feels like a scrambled puzzle. It's disorganized, lacking wholeness. It's just scrambled all over the place. I, I, and, and I'm lacking wholeness, and I want to be centered in peace, therefore centered in truth, therefore centered in Christ. If that's you, you say, I'm, I, it, I don't want to go into this year scrambled and disorganized. I want, I want to be whole. 
just as a confession to Jesus, the only person looking is me. I've got my eyes open and the Holy Spirit. If you just lift your hand real high and you put it back down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last one is this. If you, maybe you're in here and you just say, I, I, I have an unsurrendered heart. There, there are hidden things in my life that honestly I'd need to confess to Jesus and I want wholeness today. I really don't want to wait. Whatever, the, whatever those areas are that are not surrendered to him. Even, you even got that feeling of David when he said, I kept it all inside. It devastated my inner life. I was filled with frustration, anguish, and misery. Nobody can tell on the outside, but it's there on the inside. It's, it's, it's weighed down. If that's you, as a confession to God, as a first step, would you just do this? Would, would you just say, you're saying, Joel, I have an unsurrendered heart. I want to surrender it all today. No more hidden sins. That's me. Would you just lift your hand real high and you put it right back down? Yeah. Father, what honesty. God, what openness, what surrender. God, that's in this room right now. And Father, you would never, never turn away those that you've called to be a part of your family. And so God, I pray I, in, in agreement with the confessions of those that have been in this room this morning that have lifted their hands, God, I, I agree, God, with them. I pray that you would fill them now with peace, your gift of peace that you give freely. The last thing that you left before you left, gift of peace. God, I pray that this church would walk totally, fully in truth. God, we would live no lies, God, but we would live totally in truth. God, reveal to us in this space, in our room, in this church, those that are here and those that are online with us, God, all that call this church home. God, I pray that you would reveal to us where there are lies and we're not walking in the truth because peace is a free gift. We're going to walk in it this year. We're going to live in it this year. And we take hold of that this morning. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I love, I love hearing that because I look and go, man, that's a connection, truth and um, truth and peace. They're connected. It's supernatural. But to make that connection and go, I know the truth. And um, that's where my peace is found. It's awesome. Hey, I'm, I'm excited you guys were with us this morning. Hope to see a lot of you tomorrow morning, 615. Um, I am excited. Uh, my, the prayer team has heard me for a while now going, I'm so excited can't wait for uh for 21 days of prayer it's man it just does something in you it's so good and um, i look forward to that so um anyhow thank you all for being with us this morning there are uh bulletins and connection cards in all the seats in here uh if it's your first time here with us at four corners church would you take a moment and fill out this connection card uh letting us know that you're with us Today, I would love the opportunity just to write you a letter thanking you for coming. I'm not going to show up at your house, I promise. Uh, I just want a chance to connect with you uh, from Joel and myself. 
If you're online with us for the first time, you can click in the feed below the connection card, and I can reach out to you uh, that way as well. But I, I'm really happy that you're with us uh, this first couple of weeks in January 2022. Um, also, on the back side, we have an Ask God, Thank God portion. And if you've got something you would like us to be praying with you or for you uh, about, we'd love to know. If you'll fill that out and drop it off as well, um, we'll be lifting you up. The prayer team will. There's also a place for thanking God. We believe in um, celebrating when God is doing something, when God is answering prayer. We want to know it. Some of you, we've been praying about something. If God has answered those prayers, let us know because we rejoice with you uh, as well. Thank you to those who so faithfully are giving to Four Corners Church. Uh, we are looking forward to the build out very soon, which is uh, so exciting. We have hit what we're right at 80%, I think. And so, um, but those of you who give faithfully through your tithe, you're helping us uh, stay up every week, reaching out to the community. Um, ministering to the to the kids we are very grateful so um thank you there are a couple of different ways that you can give at four corners church that's online text or by cash or check and if uh you are finishing or giving towards our uh building our build out tent to table build out uh, you can note that separately or online you can choose that in the drop box yeah i, I do want to mention the tent to table thing do you have that graphic, Jared? Um, so I wanted to show you, we have uh, a goal. Those of you that have been here for a little while, we have a goal of $150,000. We're totally renovating this whole space down here. And um, uh, we had announced it the beginning of November. So the last eight weeks of, of the year, which is pretty wild. I wanted you to see how far along, it's absolutely incredible. That's a that's a that's a miracle for our church, absolutely. Um, and so it's never been. I, I don't know. I guess I can say it this way. God's done so many crazy things over this past year, planting a church, right in right before COVID, and then we just gone on a journey that I think, um, whether I wanted it to or not, uh, usually we don't want to go through hard things. Whether I wanted to or not. God's just grown our faith as a church. He's grown my faith. And so when um, we saw what God's done and where he's been, I just knew that God was going to come through and he's, and he's continuing to go through. But I wanted you guys to see that. Those of you that are, are a part of our, um, have, you've taken those tent to table faith steps. That's where we're at. That's where our goal is. And I'll talk more about that um, uh, in the future about how we'll move forward. Hey, would you guys do this with me? Would you stand up with me? What a good start this morning for the year. Hey, I want to I wanna bless you on the way out. I want to pray for you. If you would, hold your hands like this. This, uh, may the God who knows all things, who loves you and walks with you, may he fill you this week with all peace, total wholeness, full of truth. May you walk in absolute zero anxiety, and instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. May you experience His grace this morning and this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, love you guys. Thank you. We'll see you this next week.